So you want to rock an aesthetics career? <laughs> yes, please. Welcome to a brand new episode of Illuminating the Path, where you'll get your weekly shot of real career direction. And maybe a little tea. I'm Patty. Marissa here. Coming straight to you from the world's beauty mecca. LA, baby. Illuminating the Path starts now. Let's go. Hey, hey guys. Glad to be back with you today. This is Patty. I'm super excited actually today about our episode. We are going to be covering, uh, we're going to do a little recap of what we went over in previous episodes because I feel like it's always good to review, but also going to hit on some really good points that are, I feel just so essential when it comes down to making sure that, you know, we talked about this, showing up the right way, understanding what's in front of you, understanding what kind of prep work you have to do on your own and making sure that you don't get, you know, caught, you know, by surprise, which, you know, this business is very surprising and you will have those moments, but doesn't mean you can't have a couple steps ahead of the game kind of mindset as much as possible. And um, we're going to touch on all these things. I'm so excited to be sharing this time with you, Marissa. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Hello again. We are, um, yeah, we've been talking a lot about, you know, how do we, how do we cover all these points? So we've got a lot to cover today. Um, do a little recap though, in the sense of, we talked about the importance of your medical director, um, the misconception, especially, and again, we're basing a lot of our, you know, points on what we do out here in California. Um, because I feel that that's relevant in the sense that many of the States, and again, if you're following the industry trends and you're reading up on it, you'll see that a lot of the States are leaning towards doing the way, doing things the way California does things. And so if that's the case, then why not start with, you know, the hardest, state to work in, in my opinion, and go from there. If there, if you're in a state that actually has a little bit more leniency, good. Um, let's hope that lasts for you. Um, I feel like things are getting a little more stringent and tighter. Um, but it's still, it's good that we're starting with at least more of the difficult state, um, practices, because that's just going to make sure that you don't miss a beat, uh, no matter where you are. So when we talked about medical director, the misconception is that you can just hire some guy that has or a girl that has a license and partner with them. And here, I'm going to give you a percentage of my practice and we're off and running. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the biggest misconception I feel there is. And not to say people aren't doing it. I know that they are. I've heard that they are. I've always kind of been like, how do you get away with that? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, you definitely have to have that mindset when you're going in that I am actually partnering with an individual that is a MD that has his or her own corporation practice, et cetera. I trust that individual because in the state of California, all the funds deposit, all the medical treatment funds anyways, deposit straight into that person's account by law. It's required to be that way. And then that individual then gives you a check. Very counterintuitive to being your own boss, right? But it's kind of a hard one. We all had to kind of come to grips with and um, and understand, especially I was not, we weren't doing it right 10 years ago when we were, um, when I was just managing uh, another third-party spa. And it was like, that was one of my biggest concerns is that we didn't have it set up the right way. Um, and so you do, if you go in with this mindset, you have to make sure that that person that you're partnering with is credible. You have your corporation, they have theirs. You have a strong 
contract. And you may say, I'm a nurse. I already have, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily, this is just a medical agreement kind of thing. You still have to have an MSO in place. If you're going to be running the place as your business, basically their business inside your business and, and working with them on those levels. And there are very clear um, laws and guidelines on the uh, medical board website that you can follow. I strongly recommend that you join AMSPA, work with their resources. They are great at having medical, you know, ways that, you know, all the things that we thought we knew that we didn't know, just they really highlight very well. Um, and then you want to make sure you have someone that supports you that isn't just in it for the paycheck. You know, our doctor, we're so grateful. Um, our doctor shows up to our spot. We used to not have this kind of a doctor. We had a different doctor. Um, and we'll talk about, um, medical director nightmares in another episode, because it's kind of flooring what happens sometimes. Um, but we talked about last episode. <laughs> yeah, we touched it. on it, but it can be yeah. so much worse. Uh, yeah. when you actually go to your bank accounts and they cleaned out your bank accounts and they're, they're MIA and you don't know where they went. That's mm -hmm. when things get, you know, during a pandemic, that's when things get really interesting, but I'm not going to go there. Not today. Um, <laughs> trying to stay positive. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but they need to support you. They need to come out. They need to see, you know, what you're doing. They need to meet with you, your staff, you know, look at your processes, have protocols in place for you. And Marissa, you're going to touch on some of this too. I'm sure with the protocol um, requirements have written protocols that are approved by the board um, that are considered approvable if they haven't been vetted by the board, but have these in place so that then, you know, you're going in with good, sound advice. All of our protocols had to actually go through a vetting process and, um, and they had to actually, I mean, down to the units of Botox that we inject in certain parts of the face, that all had to be approved and it all had to be um, signed off on. And the nurses can't veer from that unless they reach out to our medical director and say, and say, you know, this is what I want to do. Can I get approval for that? And these are the units and all of that. So there's definitely some, you know, very astringent, um, uh, pieces there. And then also remember that they are your ally, but not your savior. And I, I say that with love because I feel like a lot of times, um, we get into business with, with folks that we, and this happened, you know, on different, in, in different industries and in different, you know, places, I'm sure, um, where you really kind of think that they're going to be the ones to really make or break, certain things. If, 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 you know, shit hits the fan, you know, they're going to come and take care of things. They're going to make sure I hate to say this guys, but I mean, the doctors are responsible for protecting their license. They're responsible for not getting sued and having, you know, big old claims and all this stuff. At the end of the day, if it comes down to a claim, you really do need to know that number one, that medical director had really good policies and procedures in place. Number two, they are going to back me as long as I did my job properly charting all the things that Marissa is going to cover today. As long as I did that part properly, they're going to back me. They're going to not throw me to the wolves, which I've seen happen. And it's not a pretty sight when a nurse has to defend her license and, and basically gets called out. Um, never happened within our organizations or any of the spas I've been involved in. But I have heard some pretty hellacious stories 
of how they will literally, you know, annihilate the nurse and say, you know, I didn't approve this. I didn't make, I didn't, and they will, they will really, you know, protect their license to the nail. And that's a very unfortunate situation. And, and so you really do have to work with someone that is going to be your ally, not your savior, but also is going to have your back when the time comes. And I promise you, you will have frightening moments. You may not have a lawsuit, but you will have frightening moments. Um, with that said, Marissa, let's let's highlight some of the stuff that you've done over the years to make sure that you got your ducks in a row, girl. Yeah, I mean, well, as a registered nurse in the state of California, I have to have we have to have a good faith exam. So that that should be something that you're looking for. One, when you're interviewing at a place, how are the good faith exams done? How that first point of contact or, you know, it is a medical examination. And when it comes to any medical service, laser injectables, we cannot be technically diagnosing and medically clearing them for the treatment. So that is huge uh, for registered nurses. Um, I believe in like the state of Cal or in, uh, in Florida, um, registered nurses can't even touch an in- a touch a syringe. So, you know, the laws are different in each state. I think in, you mentioned last episode, Patty, that Texas. Um, yeah. You don't have anybody, to even have a, anybody. A, yeah. You can be an esthetician and you can be injecting, which I don't, right. you know, good on them. But I just, I, I would not want to have that kind of setup in, in my, in my opinion. Right. And so the reason I, I'm passionate about that and I, I, you know, make sure that our nurses are making sure to get those good faith exams. Cause I have heard of investigators going into offices and, you know, they'd be, a, there'd be a complaint to the medical board and the department of consumer affairs goes in and they, you know, they'll do a, the pretend to be a patient and they will make sure that you've got your ducks in a row and you're getting those good faith exams. And, you can easily get your license suspended. I've actually spent time on the medical board reading cases of nurses that have had their license suspended or uh, revoked in some cases. Um, you know, most of them were like, they didn't know or they, uh, they didn't know what a good faith exam was. And the, um, yeah, it came as a surprise to them. So that's something that, when you're looking for a position or you're interviewing, what, how, how often, one, what type of doctor runs this place and what type of doctor is owning it. Um, but if, when you're partnering with someone, making sure that they're not just, you know, looking to loan their license to your practice and then getting on the, the subject of good faith exams, who's going to do those good faith exams for you, whether it's an NP that's there or your actual MD is stepping in the room and doing that good faith exam before you start treatment. I am. Yeah. I, on that topic, you know, there's always been that, that, that real gray zone where, you know, Oh, the, the doctor's not available or the, the NP, we don't have an NP and guys, there's no excuse for it. If, if an organization that you're potentially looking at doesn't have an NP on staff and the doctor is not doing all the good faiths, the next conversation needs to be what kind of virtual good faith exams are you signed up for? There are services out there. Um, again, you can find these services through AMSPA that are, they're not cheap. They're a huge investment. 
assessment. But um, our policy is we do not veer from that. It's like, and it's almost daunting how, um, how crazy that can get when, when they don't take that time to do that piece. And then you, you end up coming back to the, you know, the chart and there's like, there's never even been a good faith exam. They just kind of went for it. The nurse just kind of went for it. And, um, and then it's just, you know, if you get audited and again, this is, you're looking to, to work within an organization that is going to be, you know, your license can be on the line and maybe your entire business, if you're starting your own spa, um, your savings, your family's livelihood, all of it over a simple good faith exam, it, it's like, why risk it? Sign up for the services, have that backbone, you know, guarantee that you're going to be able to have that conversation with a nurse practitioner or PA, um, at least virtually, which is still legal, always legal, um, and do it. And, or if you have to, you know, no, if you know somebody that is actually willing to do a contract with you and do your good faith, that's an NP or, or a PA, mm-hmm. um, you know, sign them up and then call, call them up on virtual, you know, um, on, you know, FaceTime them and make sure they have that good open face-to-face communication. Yeah. On the medical board for California, I've read it. I I go back and I reference to it. There is actually a document on the medical board about med spas and good faith exams, but it's very, very vague. And I don't know if you yeah. agree if you've read that. It's very I haven't vague. read it. I don't, I've never, I've never, I, I go straight to the attorneys that are like specialized in this. I'm like, okay, what do we need to do? And they just right. basically outline it for us. But um, I, um, yeah, I know that they're, they're very specific. And again, when you're interviewing, when you're looking at, and even if you're not necessarily interviewing, you're wanting to just jump full throttle in, which I don't ever recommend unless you've had at least two to five years experience working at a med spa. Um then you don't have any business running one at all. And every, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've even had that conversation with nurses that are like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to work here for a bit. And then I'm going to go start my own. And it's like, girl, you need to know there's a, there's a, a a 10,000 hours to master level kind of training that you need to do to learn how to run the business side of things. And so, um, you know, I don't recommend jumping in and having your own, if you've never been in this, in this space before, but, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. part of the, the conversation. Well, there's and so, a lot of providers that are trying to, I mean, even MDs that want to just open up their own clinic and mm-hmm. do the injections themselves, just completely blind and not bringing in an aesthetic provider to kind of show them. The- yeah, we find that a lot. I mean, especially here in LA, um, there's a lot of doctors that are injecting that really shouldn't be injecting. They may be able to cut you open and, you know, fix, you know, something on the inside and they have magic hands. But when it comes down to knowing how to do um, the art of injecting, that's a whole nother ball of wax. And it's, um, it's kind of funny to me that they're injecting when you see their work and you're like, hmm, okay, maybe you should have an, a nurse that's a little, you know, more skilled in, in the art form of things. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the things do you take? What are the steps do you take, Marissa, um, to make sure that you're ready and prepared for what's ahead? As far as... As far as the things that, you know, you have to do to, you know, your, your photographs, how you chart, um, the things that are important to really have lined out. Yeah, definitely. So I, um, on this episode, I want to talk about how to go about getting trained, uh, with any license 
from RN and PPA to MD, how telling my story of how I got trained and how I was able to learn over the years, but also when you're first getting started. So protocols, so the MD has to sign off on units placed, for example, the forehead, you know, this many units, 10 to 20 units per patient. Um, but there needs to be that initial exam by a advanced practitioner first. So making sure that that's in. I developed at Mulhouse, I developed a, a SOAP note, which in nursing school we learned that's a subjective objective uh, assessment and plan, which you need to have with each patient. And we have a template that we, we follow for each patient. And that goes over, we have a consent form uh, that they fill out their uh, allergies, their medical history. So all of that's in place and that's part of their chart. Mm -hmm. And you know, that doesn't get skipped on anybody. And then as far as photos go, that's huge when it comes to tracking their progress and then it's saving you when somebody comes in and says that, you know, we dropped an eyebrow or we made the, one of their eyes look smaller, which I've had that happen. And I've compared their before photos and clearly they had that before. So, you know, that saved, that saved me a lot uh, when it comes to patient um, complaints and part of their results if they feel like they're um, unhappy with something. But also in the legal sense too, you know, it will come up in a court of law when you're uh, trying to defend, let's say, malpractice and where their where their photos taken. And uh, one of the medical directors that I used to work for, he would be on the other side. There would be the uh, he would work for the medical board and he would be an advisor. So, you know, he would see in some of those cases photos were not in consent forms were not there. Um, and those were, those were two huge factors that you want to make sure that are in place. Mm -hmm. So one of yeah. the things, yeah, that I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it, the, when it comes down to the photos too, don't you have a specific protocol you like to see the nurses take with the photos too? It's not just, okay, you know, smile, you know, snapshot. Oh yeah. yeah. So we, so we use a HIPAA compliant photo, the EMR that we use, we don't keep the photos on that, but we have a separate, it's called RX photo. Actually, if you guys want to know what it is, it's, we use, it's HIPAA compliant. You have to use a pin and a password to log in. And we use iPads at the medical spa and they need to be, I try to with, with daylight and depending on, um, the camera that's used, the lighting can be a little bit different, but I have a back, want to make sure that the backdrop is the same for each photo. And for, let's say, for example, filler patients, I have the nurses and I like my photographs to be five view. So front view, then a 45 and a 45, and then a profile view. And then close-ups of, let's say, for example, the lips, if they're doing lips, then if they're doing Botox, getting dynamic movement, them, the patient at rest, then frowning, raising their brows, smiling. And I'm actually been doing more videos of their dynamic movement first to show their one, cause it's a good before and after photo, but also to show the difference and show kind of your work to other patients that might be nervous about doing any injectables. So yeah, so we wanna make sure that the lighting is the same, that the the positioning and the backdrop is the same if possible. We 
use a ring light also to um, add a little bit of flash and a little bit of brightness to the photo. But those are huge. Yeah. And it's, it's good too, for using them on social media. You know, if you got a good crisp, clean photo and you get the patient's consent to use that, then, you know, I, I've sold a lot of treatments and I've, you know, talked it, talked patients um, to do treatments by just showing my work. So. Yeah. And I feel like that's such a huge piece of it because, you know, at the end of the day, you are selling yourself, your work, your art, you're selling the experience. I mean, reality folks, guys, it's, it's, they can get these services anywhere. Everyone has them. Everyone has injectables. Everyone has laser. Everyone has all these, every, I mean, even our street alone, I always tell our spa, it's our staff. I'm just like, guys, it's not like, you know, we don't have competition. There's literally five med spas within a block radius of where we are. Um, it, it's never about that. It's about the experience. It's about, you know, how people feel when they leave, how do they feel like they had something done that was relevant to their wants and needs? Do they feel like they were looked after and cared for and appreciated, you know, and we appreciated their time, you know, or did they feel like cattle coming in and out? You know, we're a busy spa. Um, we have other services too. It's not just med spa. We do other aesthetic services, but, um, at the end of the day, everyone gets treated, you know, like they are, they matter and they have good, um, just good relationships with our providers. And it's funny when you have a provider that isn't interested in that, they don't last very long. It's like, they don't get requested. They don't get tipped. They're mm -hmm. like the ones that are always asking, you know, can you, can the front desk girls ask for me to get my tips and stuff? And I'm like, I always think to myself, if someone has to ask the client to tip you, then clearly they were not impressed with the service enough to <laughs> want to do that for you. Right. Um, and so our policy is not to ask that. I mean, I've over the years, they've done that. They've asked, you know, once in a while for that, but I don't feel that that's, you know, when I know when I'm excited about coming through, I'm excited about what's, you know, been done for me. I mm -hmm. want to reward the provider. I want to make them know that I know that they took time and energy um, and that I felt very well, you know, taken care of. Um, and so things like that, I feel are, are important to always keep in mind when it comes down to the workflow. One of the things that, um, that you brought up to me in the past, Marissa, was the, the training process that you had to go through. I mean, Marissa and I started, you know, years and years and years ago, um, at a spa that was not about the training process. <laughs> we were both flying as blind as blind could be. I had no idea. I was a manager. She was the RN. Um, we had several RNs, but she was one of the main RNs and we just simply did not have any direction, um, any training or anything. We just kind of got thrown into the whole, you know, make some money conversation. Well, and there's a lot of places like that that are still, oh yeah, still here still out there that just <laughs> kind of throw their nurses into it. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so talk a little bit about what you've done since I know I've done my, you know, due diligence and training and certifications and all that stuff on a management level and, and practice level, but you've had to go through some real big training hurdles. Yeah. So at that med spa, I got everything, everything that I learned was in-house. I shadowed the nurse. I remember going to one of the other locations and shadowing the nurse practitioner there and a few months into my position there, I actually took a loan out and went to National Laser Institute mm -hmm. for their two-day Botox and filler training, which I, I loved. I, that was actually my first time ever going 
out of state by myself. So it was definitely a big leap for me. And I met a bunch of, um, you know, great nurses. Actually, there was nurses, doctors. I think there was like a nephrologist in our group (laughs) who was shaky. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so that was a good experience just to kind of, you know, that was first time seeing any injectables. And what I liked about National Laser Institute is they really were um, helpful with the hands-on and actually they would have, so we'd be in groups of five to six providers or injectors, and they'd bring in three to four patients that they sell their products and their treatments at a discounted price. So, and the people know that it's going to be a new uh, injector injecting on them uh, with an advanced trainer right there with them. Mm-hmm. So getting my hands on, cause you, you know, I've gone to trainings before and it runs long and there's the, the lecture long is long and the didactic is long. And then you maybe get like to inject on one or two models. And it's like, you didn't really get everybody's there to, that's mm-hmm. the way we learn, right? We learn by getting our hands on it and injecting faces. So I was able to inject, we all were three to four models, both Botox and filler. And that was uh, a great experience. So when I went back to the med spa, I did a little bit of Botox, didn't do a whole lot of filler yet, but it wasn't until I went into uh, the dermatology office. Um, I worked at a a few places, but um, I was able, I I consider myself pretty lucky because I was able to find an office that invested in me and spent thousands of dollars on trainings from everything from the reps bringing in, you know, a private trainer. Um, They paid for conferences every year. We would go to uh, Vegas cosmetic surgery every year and they, they spent money on all their providers to get them Mm -hmm. trained. So it was, it was an investment on their end, which that's where my knowledge just exploded. And even, even in my downtime, I remember like when I was first working every place that I worked at where we're slow and I have, you know, my schedule isn't full. I would literally go on the computer and look at the schedule and like, see, okay, so this patient's coming in at this time. And I'm going to go and ask that provider if I can shadow and ask them questions and being able to shadow and to learn from other experienced, that's going to be your best bet. Um, Seeing it firsthand, but also getting, having somebody there in the same clinic that's experienced that you can ask questions that you can bounce ideas off of. So yeah, that, I, I feel like that piece is important. I mean, we do a lot of in-house training too, um, mm-hmm. but you're talking about also getting your knowledge on from, you know, getting your classes and everything, and then coming back and doing a refresh with the folks that you're working with. Mm-hmm. That's always good. Yeah. And every training I've been to, I've taken notes and I use my, my written notes and I take a type it up on my Google doc. So I have everything to refer back to. And it's in aesthetics is so much information and it's, overwhelming and could be overload at times. So I always go back and actually look back at my notes and look back at videos that I've saved because there is so much to learn. And, you know, with time you do need to refresh. And I also bought, I invested in textbooks. So textbooks can be hundreds of dollars. So I invested in textbooks, cosmetic dermatology by Leslie Bauman, um, Dr. Surik, he's an anatomist, um, 
who has an anatomy book. And actually I uh, was just looking at a new anatomy book that I want to buy. <laughs> it's just, you, it just never ends. You know, you're just, you're constantly wanting to, I'm constantly wanting to educate myself and stay in the know. I've worked with other providers that just kind of, they've done the same thing for years and years and years. They don't go to trainings. They don't step in when the reps there and has, has a trainer there. Cause they, you know, they're, they're just, they have their ways and that's, you know, has, right. it works for them. So good, but I like to be up in knowing what, what the latest technology is. What are the latest pearls? What are the latest studies? And I'm looking at research and um, yeah. It is important. I feel, and as the, the, the spa manager, I look at folks that come in that show up this way and I mean, over the years, I've I've been in touch with Marissa and watched her journey. So when she came in as our head nurse and took that responsibility of making sure that our, our other nurses were trained up properly, I had full confidence that she was going to really take them under her wing. Um, you know, every time I turn around, she's got a new training lined up for them, has a, a vendor coming in or something on the books. And um it's so, and I always, do we have time for this? But she's like, we need to make time for this. Um, it's so important. It's so critically important to um, make that happen on a regular basis. If, if your manager or your provider or your, your spa is not um, lining up those opportunities for you. And I mean, we've been kind of, you know, bound by the whole pandemic thing. We haven't been able to go to the shows, but we also attend the shows and like to make, um, those efforts too, because it's, it's everything guys. I mean, it is your, your craft. And if you're not taking the time and the people on your team, you don't see that they take the time to go to the shows, to make those, um, extra investments in themselves, to buy the books. I used to have a nurse that would come in to work with her books, like a schoolgirl, and would have like these giant textbooks <laughs> in a backpack and would literally open them up. And she would have them open during her day while she's injecting and doing these just to have references, just to double check herself. And, um, and then the other nurses that really weren't, it's funny. Cause you watch the dynamic, the other nurses that really weren't that invested, you know, she would say, do you have, do you, do you have textbooks? Do you have, are you in No, I think I'm good. Or yeah, I'm just going to come in and, you know, get through my shift and stuff like that. So as a manager, you know, you want to invest in the people that want to invest in themselves. You want to give those people opportunities. You want to make sure they make top dollar because you don't want to lose them. And, um, and so, and then even if you don't always, like, I always have the, the conversation with my nurses that, you know, at the end of the day, we're a laser house. We're a, a very easy, you know, no, no big frills, easy, but um, results driven, you know, treatment center that do doesn't require a lot of downtime. You're not going to get a ton of injectable practice here. You're not going to get a lot of injectable type clients either because their expectations, I'm going to come in, do a little laser, do um, a medical grade facial and not have to pay a lot of big bucks for that, but still get a great result. But once in a while, I'll do a little Botox or I'll do a little filler. Um, so those nurses that want to do those types of, you know, more sophisticated treatments, they come in once or twice a week. They, they focus on that practice and, um, and then, you know, they work other places as well. Those are the kinds of, and we talked about this in this earlier episode, um, about how to kind of have a game plan for yourself. What do you want to specialize in? It's not going to be everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's also going to indicate to you what you want to learn 
as well, who you want to shadow and how much you want to do to, um, you know, prepare maybe outside the spa for these specialty areas. And I think you've done a ton of that, Marissa, over the years, you've been really, really diligent about, um, making sure you understand the, the art of your craft and respecting that art and not taking it for granted. Um, I think that's a huge piece. Yeah. And for those that are looking for places to go for trainings, uh, if you're just like what I did with the national laser Institute nowadays with social media, when you're what I, what I do, and I actually am, I'm trying to find, and I want to go to cadaver training and just trying to figure out which one I can go to and following different providers. So aesthetic immersion is one. Lori Robertson has one in Brea, which is pretty good. I went to a uh, tear trough and temple one with her, Um, but follow on social media, those trainers that you, you respect their work their um, you know, they've, um, been educating and, you know, those Galderma or Allergan trainers look out for them because they usually have trainings that you can go to either private trainings, or you can go to their, uh, place and, and do like, you know, one day or two day training with them, but finding, um, yeah. And that's, and you just simple Google search too. I mean, you can find a lot. Um, I'm pretty sure on, um, well, if they just follow you, you follow all those people. So look at who Marissa is following. And then asking your reps too. And when you're first starting out, you're going to need, don't go and buy filler off of Google, (laughs) you know, don't buy it online. You can, you have to go through legally, you have to go through Galderma, Allergan, MERS, uh, Revance, go through those companies and get your product from them, build a relationship, set up an account. And then they can get you those trainings. We had Dr. Marcus at our uh, location, who's wonderful. He did a training for us a few months ago and they, the reps will take care of you and they'll, they'll bring in product and they'll do, um, you know, six to eight hour training. So yeah, it's, it's always incredible how willing the reps are to really help you gain perspective, knowledge, training, all of that. And they're super supportive. Ultimately, you know, it's like the better, the more you learn, the more confident you feel, the more you're going to, you know, suggest these services to your clients. Um, but it's also important, you know, to pace yourself, um, not do it all and not think you're going to do it all in, in a year or even two years. Um, one of the big, you know, expectations that I kind of see happen when nurses come in, nurses and estheticians that come into the med spa space or want to do medical aesthetics, um, is that, you know, I just want to have this career and I want to make a lot of money and it's such a glamorous space to be in. And I want to be that girl. And, you know, and it's like, that's all great reasons. Never, never, you know, lose your passion and the things that really matter to you, but don't put so much pressure on yourself that, you know, or, or even come down on even the folks that you maybe have an opportunity to work with, because I've seen that happen too. It's like, I'm not learning fast enough. I'm not getting injectable clients. I'm not getting enough. We had a nurse, um, not too long ago who just wasn't getting booked for injectables. And, you know, she was always complaining. I don't get, I I'm tired of doing laser. I'm tired to, you know, I'm tired of working on, and I've been trained and I have experience and all this stuff. Well, yes. And no, some experience doesn't make you a subject expert. And there's still more learning to do because she was still messing up on the basic stuff like laser. 
Um, and so the conversation was always like, you know, you may need to do a little more training. You may Mm -hmm. need to work on how your presentation looks to the client. This is a high trust business. You cannot just show up looking all crazy. Like you just rolled out of bed and, you know, just threw some scrubs on and then expect that and no makeup. I can't tell you how amazed I am. I know makeup's a little hard nowadays with like the mask situation and it causes breakouts and everything, but I cannot fathom ever having a career in the aesthetic space where you're selling, you know, appearance, texture, you know, all of that. And absolutely not coming in with like nothing on your face. You know, you, the whole idea is that we're rebranding, re repurposing, you know, the skin texture and putting it out there in a way that, you know, makeup sits on it and looks good with aesthetics but it doesn't mean that you show up with absolutely nothing on your face. And unless you're just naturally gifted where you don't need a lick of makeup. And I don't know anybody. (laughs) A few of those people. (laughs) I do not know anybody that's that gifted. (laughs) And I'm not talking about crazy made up face. I'm talking about a little bit of just balance, you know, make sure the circles under your eyes don't look like, you know, terrible. Like you literally haven't slept in days or, (laughs) um, you know, get a little lash thing, you know, treatment done or get, you know, have your brows waxed and or yeah, all the makeup or, nowadays is just been from cheeks up. Right. I mean, oh, simple things that make you look fresh and presentable. Um, because at the end of the day, you are selling aesthetics guys. And so when, as a manager, when I look at the folks that, you know, are talking about wanting to, you know, be received and the, and accepted as a trusted provider, but then they show up looking all crazy. Um, you just kind of think, you know, I, I wish you well, I'm not going to sit here and tear you apart and tell you, you know, you need to fix this. Your hair looks a mess or nothing like that, but I'm thinking it. And I'm thinking it's, you just need, you need to, you know, look the part girl. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it and is about, yeah. No, I was just going to say, and it's going to get, it's going to be frustrating. And when you're first starting out and you touched on like being patient, right? So mm-hmm the number that I'm hearing is it does take about four years for you to build that clientele and for you to be back to back busy with injectables. Absolutely. Um, and I have some f- five tips that I'd like to go over. Yeah. Yeah. Let's five, do them. Five tips. All right. <laughs> okay. So, um, so going back to just being frustrated. Okay. So I actually had dinner with a dear friend last night and she's working for a pretty well-known medical spa in LA. And I, she told me that she's looking to leave. And I was actually kind of, uh, I was surprised because when she got this job, I mean, she, I was ecstatic for her because this med spa, you know, they're, everybody knows this place and they've got three places, three locations, but she is getting frustrated because the type of clientele that this particular medical spa is bringing in. Um, she's just not, she's just not liking it. And, you know, I think that she doesn't also feel supported by her colleagues. I think that she kind of feels like an outcast since she's a little bit newer. Um, but, you know, I told her and she's not as busy as she was hoping to be. And she's only been there, mind you, a few months. So I think, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to be, it's going to take a while for you to, to get busy. Um, but you can't let those frustrations veer you from, from changing careers. And cause she's been in aesthetics now for four, three to four years, I think. So, 
you know, it's going to take time. And so my top five, these are what I, tips that I think that have helped me gain clientele and gain trust and why patients rebook with me. So one thing that I would give me, <laughs> would give me sweaty palms when I first started was the consultation, walking into a room and like, what do I say? I'm stumbling over my words and my hands mm-hmm. are sweaty. Uh, but practicing the consultation, that in itself is actually an, a form of art. I, I don't know if you agree, Patty, but I totally it, agree. It's it's an art. Setting form. the stage. Yes. Yes. Setting the stage, walking in, you're warm and welcoming, you know, and that. I, so what actually I did is I practiced the consultation on employees and on my friends and family, like in my off time going in and just kind of doing like a little role playing, you know. And that, so usually what I do is I walk into the room. Hi, I'm Marissa. Nice to meet you. How'd you hear about us? That's always a good, you know, icebreaker. Mm-hmm. And so, so how can I help you today? What brings you in? Those open-ended questions is usually how I start majority of my patients. And, you know, I kind of, I'm, I try to show my personality a little bit. You know, I laugh. I try to like crack a little few jokes here and there just to kind of like, feel their vibe and feel like, you know, how this patient is. Some people will be completely stoic and, you know, not laugh at any of your jokes, but whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, you know, and then you kind of just get their vibe. And so that, that I, I, I definitely try to show my personality, you know, these, these clients that you're meeting the first time you meet them, they're hopefully going to be with you the rest of your career right? The rest of yeah. your career and the rest of their life, Client just like your life kind of business. Yep. Yeah. Going to the hairdresser or your nail lady or someone that you see every few months. So for me, I ask them about their family. How's your, how are your kids? Do you have any kids? Uh, how's your family? Where, you know, where are you from? I do all that little small talk unless they're long-winded <laughs> <laughs> and you'll get that vibe from them when you first meet them. But you know, uh, I usually, well, you know, do a little small talk with them and that makes you a little bit more relatable. And I think that's, what's helped me in the long run. Um, also setting expectations with them has definitely been something that I didn't do in the beginning. And it would set me up for them coming back unhappy or, that they were, you know, complained about the treatment. And what I mean by that is, and I always talk about under promising and over delivering with these patients. So one of the things that a a doctor that I used to work for, one thing that I learned from his consultation is saying, you know, it may help It, it, this may help your lines that have been there for decades or the skin tightening treatment. You know, we do see everything that we do is non-invasive and, it's not surgery. So the things that we do are meant to be very little downtime. And yes, you, there is, there, the studies show that there is improvement, but the range is different for everybody. The results are different for everyone. So never saying ever, ever, ever saying it's guaranteed. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's going to go away. And this is going to, you're going to look tight and things are going to look like you're going to look 10 years younger. Never, never, never. Cause then they're going to come back. Well, you said it lasted a year. It was going to last a year. And you know, now my filler's all gone after six months. And that's because so, they're not drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> so setting those expectations is like that, that is huge when mm-hmm. you're doing treatments that cost a lot of money. These are thousands of dollars worth of treatments. 
And you'd never want to tell them that, okay, yeah, this is going to last you six months. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, they're going to have their calendar written. This, mm-hmm. is, when, this is when my filler is, is ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. So that's number two. Number three, if we touched on taking photos, that's save one. I love, I, I keep an iPad with me and I love showing patients my work because if you can talk all day long about a treatment, yeah, our, our clear, our clear lift laser, it, it does this, this is what it helps with or microneedling. But I think most people want to see before and after photos. What is it going to do for my skin? What have other, what have other results look like? And, and you always want to say, and give that disclaimer that everybody's results are different. Um, and then you talked about Patty. Number, my number four is going slow and taking your time or mm-hmm. just being patient knock on wood. And I (laughs) probably shouldn't say this out loud because it's going to jinx me. But one thing I learned with injecting is going slow with your filler injections and taking your time and not rushing and always keeping that needle moving. I've never had an occlusion, nine years of injecting. And I think that's because one, I aspirate on bone And two, I always, I take my time and I haven't always been able to take my time during those filler appointments. I've been rushed to do 20, 30 minute appointments for, you know, four syringes of filler. Mm. So I, right now I usually do 45 minutes for filler appointments and 20 minutes for 20 to 30 minutes for new Botox, uh, and then follow up Botox 20 minutes. But that's something you need to be asking for when you're interviewing at a place. Absolutely. How long do you give, how, how long, how much time do I have to do filler and Botox? If they're stacking you know? your patients and you don't get that time, especially when you're doing dangerous stuff, then that's a big red flag. Yes, yes, yes. You do not want to be rushed because the patients will get that vibe from you that you are rushing and that you just want to get it, get it done in and out. And there's a lot of places that are going to, pressure you to see those patients in that short amount of time, but that it's, it's quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. And it's also your license on the line. So talking to them and seeing if you can get a longer treatment time, and if they aren't going to budge on that, it might not be the right place for you. Mm-hmm. So number four, going slow and take your time. And I think I've had patients come to me when they used to see another provider and they would say, well, so-and-so provider was rushing and he, he or she did, you know, I felt that he was just rushing me out of the room and that then they came to see me because they just got that vibe. So people will not rebook with you if you, if they feel you're like, your energy is off and you're just like, get me out, get them out of the room. Right. And then number five um, well, we talked about going slow, so be patient. And we we touched we touched on this actually, but um, it does take time for you to build that clientele. And don't get frustrated if you're not getting rebooked. And then the time of COVID too, if you just started out in the last year, people are not leaving their home still. Right. So we're not it's a tough space to be in when you're you know your business is someone's face and they're like, don't touch my face. Yeah. yeah. I've actually had just a funny story. I had, well, I, it wasn't my patient, but there was a patient that came in during COVID and she was coming in for lip filler. And she goes, she asked the medical assistant, um, are they going to be by my face? How close are they going to be to my mouth? And do I have to take off my mask? And we were like, completely like, what? 
what is she asking? Yes, you have to take off your mask. Maybe for the medical assistant, she was like, do I have to take off my mask for you? Obviously for the doctor, for the lip filler. How, how close is he going to get to my face? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he was expecting to do filler from like an arm breach. <laughs> the other side of the room. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there are people that haven't been comfortable coming out. So yeah. they're, it, it, it's a weird time, but a weird time. And so definitely give yourself the space to, you know, grow gradually. Um, I can tell you from the business side and from the management side that, um, you know, we're all trying to keep the, the doors open. Um, I don't care how fabulous and fancy and famous your spa is, or your doctor is even in towns like LA, um, you know, everybody's taken some level of a hit, whether it's been, you know, clients scared to come in or maybe, you know, financially they're like trying to, and then some other clients are getting like extra money. So they're spending it, but, um, it's weird. It's not what normal circumstances hold. You can't, you know, on a business management side, we can't predict what's going to happen. We hope for the best. We prepare, Um, I know I open up the schedule, I give everybody hours, um, but there's been days when we've had to tweak hours like last minute because it's like, okay, we're literally fully staffed and there's five clients on the books. Um, We were originally, you know, fully booked and, you know, some news article came out the other day, like we just got like a Amber alert about everybody's everybody's getting sick in LA. Again, yeah, I went off at the office and people are freaking out. Freaking like, out. What is this? And, all and then sudden, they're like, we're going to shut, get shut down again. Yep. You know? All of a sudden it's like one little alert, one little news coverage piece or whatever, your books are dry. And so no matter what, you know, what kind of prestige your, your spa is that you may be applying at or, or all of that, we've all had curveballs thrown at us. So that trickles down to the staff and the frustration levels. You know, I've had nurses quit and they're just like, I can't afford to take, you know, more time off, or I'm going to have to, you know, pick up hours at the hospital, especially during the pandemic that happened. I, one nurse went off to do, you know, travel nursing and all this stuff too, again, um, because, it just wasn't enough. She wasn't making it, you know, medical, you know, you guys are in demand on a medical level, but it's not always guaranteed that people are going to come in and, and want to do these treatments. So, um, it's, it's a tough formula, you know, so don't let that deter you. If you find that there's a weird energy, um, or, or that people can't guarantee that you're going to get full time, or they can't guarantee you're going to get all these different, you know, great clients. People are looking for deals right now. Um, they're, they're shopping and, um, and places we've had, we've had clients that have gone to some of our biggest competitors for years. They would come to us for laser hair removal, but they never trusted us to do like all the other stuff. And then they just basically like, so you guys are doing this. I can't afford to go to those, you know, high priced Beverly Hills clinics anymore. Um, I think I need to look for new providers. And of course, we're, we're known as a place that you can get really good medical aesthetics at a very decent rate. Um, our franchises are designed to be more of the, I always like to call them like the blow dry bar of the med aesthetics. Um, because it's just simple, easy, necessary aesthetics, medical aesthetics that people can do without spending a lot of money. And so we have a little bit more leniency and a little bit more, uh, forgiveness factor when it comes down to pricing and stuff, but it's still not a guarantee. Everyone's going to have work full time and all that. So don't let that deter you or help or make you feel like 
I'm not cut out for this. It's not what I, you know, what I expected and all that. Cause it's weird times right now. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to mention too, is this is kind of like a side, not part of the five, but just a side note of how nowadays people are finding me on social media or they'll refer their friends and family and I'll get mm-hmm. messages on Instagram. So they already come in 99% of the people that are booked with me now either have looked at my Instagram account or have found me on there and they kind of already know what I'm about and my personality. And so getting an Instagram account, if you guys don't already have that, get started on that. And if you don't have, you're just getting started and you're doing, show them, you know, do little, and I've had to get comfortable with the camera. I hate the sound of my own voice, but I think that's normal for for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. For for everyone. Right. So for sure. And just getting comfortable with um, putting yourself out there and showing them your personality and showing them your, your work, your before and afters, little, like little quick little snippets of your day and the office you work at. And that's, I mean, it's free marketing. It's kind of a no brainer. Mm -hmm. And that also speaks volumes to your management team and your, you know, your head ups, because for you to actually be showing up on the social channels, not just as like, I look cute in this picture and here, here I am having lunch, you know, but actually talking about your craft, your work, how you take pride in that work, how you take pride in, you know, serving the clients and giving them that unique experience and all of that speaks volumes about who you are as a practitioner in the space to your management team. And when it comes time for us to decide how we're going to spend money on trainings or who we're going to send or who we want to invest in, I promise you those things are popping up in our heads. Okay. Who actually takes the time to show up and, you know, build awareness around their, their, you know, expertise and be that subject expert. And who's over there taking pictures of themselves in a bikini and, you know, hoping they're going to get a bunch of likes big world of difference. You know, you talked about this, about how it, uh, Instagram and social media has kind of taken a different turn where it's not just about likes. It's more about information. Did we talk about this on one of the, I think we touched on it. You know, there's new, there's new, um, you know, algorithms that are now all about your saves and no one's saving your picture in your bikini, unless it's some weird dude, you know, that is like using it for something else. I'm saying, use your time that your captive audience is paying attention to you to grow your, you know, awareness up about the things that you can do. And yeah, the fact that you're cute and all that makes all the difference and people want to see that they love it, but sprinkle it with some knowledge that people can save. And you're going to get that much further in the game because, um, and again, it's very much about micro audiences. Now it's not like how many people follow you and all that. And from this perspective, it's really all about, are people truly vested in you? Do they want to share and keep and save your valuable knowledge that you put out there? Um, and as again, the head ups and, and investors and management and people that are running, you know, the financial side and working on making sure things get done. We're looking at those elements, those efforts as things that you're doing to invest in yourself. Therefore we want to invest in you. So it really does affect how much or how little, um, you get out of your support staff, um, and, and how much they love you and want to keep you around and not just like, okay, well, you're just kind of, you know, fill in space on the schedule. That's a thing. You know, people do look at that. And Mm -hmm. again, it's setting up for success. Thank you for sharing that, Marissa. That was so valuable. Um, 
we hope that all of these um, points are really hitting home. It is a lot to process, but it's not, you know, it's not impossible. There is good amounts of time to get it all dialed in. As long as you start thinking proactively about your game plan, how you're going to show up again, who you're going to partner with in the future, whether or not you're working as a nurse for that doctor or outright teaming up with him or her to do um, a practice on your own. These are all essential, essential pieces to your peace of mind, your success, and ultimately your value work-life balance, because nobody wants to take their work home and be stirring up all this like negativity, you know, especially when you have family and everything else that you want to pay attention to. So keys to success for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy, but it's definitely, it's so rewarding. And one thing where I got confident with my injectables and just, just doing treatment, not even injectables, but just confident with the treatments that I'm providing is seeing those patients come back happy. My gosh, this is like, this is great. Like I, 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 this has made such a difference. My, I'm getting so many compliments referring their friends and family. There is no better reward seeing someone come in. That's almost in tears, just ecstatic about the treatment that you provided for them. And that's where the real reward comes in. And that's where I, I think this helped me gain confidence, not worrying about the competition and so-and-so is doing this. And um, yeah, there might be a few people that have been unhappy, but you know, you can't please everybody. Not everybody's going to be happy with the services, whether that's, you know, maybe the expectation wasn't there in the beginning, or maybe they weren't a candidate for it, but you are going to get those unreasonable red flags, crazy overfilled <laughs> yelpers, unrealistic, yeah, unrealistic <laughs> patients. And it will save you time and money and frustration and sleepless nights by turning them away and saying that, you know, they're We're just not a fit, not a fit. <laughs> We're not a fit or I mean, and on that <laughs> note, <laughs> anyhow. Yeah. Thanks for definitely, you know, it's, it's yeah we just, it's okay to not always have it always worked out for every single body. You know, we all have our things. So anyhow, um, thanks guys for joining us this week. We are so excited to be able to pay it forward, share this knowledge, um, give good insight on things to expect in the industry. Again, it's, it's very much about your community and how you align yourself with the people that truly care about your success and want to see you grow. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, diva business, but doesn't mean you have to be a diva in it. You can very much support your fellow nurses, your doctors, the folks that work hard to help your success and reciprocate. And hopefully that message is coming through because it really does matter um, that, you know, we, we support each other, especially as women. I'm a big advocate of that. So thank you for joining us. And we look forward to sharing more knowledge in the future. Take care guys. Catch up with you next time.